Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. It's my great privilege to get to introduce our speaker tonight. Tommy and Natasha are longtime members and leaders in this family, and I know many new faces here won't recognize him, but... Five, six years ago when I watched this man first preach, all I could do afterwards was go up and be like, please preach more. I really, really need more. Um, And him and his wife do wonderful ministry with us. And we're continuing our series on miracles in the marketplace. And we're very excited about that. And one of the best things, this is my favorite thing about Tommy, is his honors he did at the University of Johannesburg. Yes! Woohoo! Yes! Yes. And he also did some stuff at Stellenbosch as well, but we won't mention that. Um, but please welcome him. He's family. He brings the knowledge and the wisdom of God with him. Amen. Um, yeah, it was great days at UJ. Um, I loved it. Um, but yeah, you know, and people often speak about you and you listen to them speak. You start asking yourself, who are they talking about? Um, but we thank God. You know, One of the crazy things about being saved, especially when you live in the developing world, we live in the developing world and sometimes we think that's a terrible thing because we always feel like stuff doesn't work or we live out of a finite environment. Everything is always not enough. So our taxes are not enough, our income is not enough, we don't have enough for roads, for schools, for ourselves. Uh, We always need to do more than is expected of us. But the beautiful part about salvation is it moves us from the finite world into the infinite world. It translates us out of the limitations of the world into the unlimited nature of God. And that translation enables us then to do more than we are able to do presently. That excites me generally uh, because I often think, I've got a lot of flaws, man. Like, if God can use me, then anybody, anybody can be used by God. So, why am I here? So, I'll give you a brief background of what I do for a living. Uh, I run a business called Shiloh Capital. We're an asset manager. Uh, We basically manage your savings. So, if you save, we manage it. Um, And I've been asked to speak about the last part of the series, uh, the marketplace ministry. Um, and a lot of us always wonder, like, why do we get to have to go to work? Why do we have to face these horrible bosses and these difficult environments? And it must dawn on us, a few things must dawn on us. The first thing is we're called out of Babylon, and then we're called to Babylon. Those are two very difficult things to comprehend sometimes because we are in a situation that we are not of, right? Because we are of heavenly DNA, right? And the crazy part is every human being you see on earth is one of God's children, every single one. So they are operating in a world that is actually not theirs, This is why we're all frustrated. We're all angry and upset because inside us, we all know the truth. The truth is the way the world works is not to our nature. Right? So as a result of that, it's important for us to understand the rules 
of how to live in the kingdom, but yet work in Babylon. Right? It's, it's a crazy thing. And the best way to describe it is an embassy. You know, as Africans, like we, we live in embassies, right? Uh, my job requires me to travel quite a bit. So in, as Africans, we live in embassies. We're forever going to apply for some visa or another, right? So we move from embassy to embassy. But the key part is if you enter the embassy of France, once you walk through that doors, you are technically where? In France. This is what the Bible refers to us, right? When it says that the Holy Spirit lives in us, in essence, when we walk around, the heavens are walking around. And unfortunately, we don't treat ourselves like that. And as a result, we then live our lives as if we are not representatives or the earthly embassy of what's happening in heaven. What does the prayer say? The Lord's prayer. Thy will be done on where? As it is where? How is that possible without you? How is that possible? Right? The Bible's clear. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all that dwell therein. Right? Okay, let's get into the real stuff. Sorry, I'm going to take off my jacket. It's a bit hot. I'm getting excited about other things, not what we should be talking about. Okay, let's go to the first slide. Uh, I don't have the control thingy, so I'm counting on the guys at the back. Okay, Whew, it's a bright yellow. But yes, what's the background? Oh, thank you very much. The background of Haggai is that there was a first group of Jews that were sent from Babylon back to Israel. So they had been captured. God had told them throughout the Bible, the way you guys are behaving, you're going to become slaves. Turn away, turn away, turn away. And as we humans do, we tend to think we know better. It's our, it's our sinful nature. So God finally sends the Babylonians to capture them and move them to Babylon. Right? And this was a vast empire. It was a very big empire. And post that, Multiple kings and rulers of Babylon finally get to agree that a group of Jews can go back home. So they go back home and they arrive there. And God has told them the first thing you should do is build the temple. Now, it sounds weird that I must be busy building God's house and not my own. Because by nature, we are about ourselves. That's our nature. We want to build our homes, our careers. We want to build our bank balances. We want to elevate ourselves. Right? So then they forget. They forget, and for like 18 years, they go about their own business. And then God sends Haggai. And God sends Haggai, and Haggai comes with a shambok. A proper big shambok. He comes in and he says, you guys are messing around. You've forgotten the first things. The first thing, you should have built God's house. Right? And they begin to get this revelation and change. So we're going to go through that and we're going to see how that translates to our lives here today. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's a, it's a good idea to read some scripture if you're preaching, right? <laughs> this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to, into the mountain, bring down timber and build my house. Take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expect much, you see, you, but you see little. There's a lot missing here. Uh, it turned out to be little. What, what you... Ah, uh, uh, let me read from the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to get frustrated. I'm that guy. Okay. 
That said the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but you can with little. And when you brought it to your home, it blew up. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because my house is in waste and you run every man his own house. Therefore the heaven over you stayed from dew and the earth stayed from fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, upon the mountains, upon the corn and upon the new wine, upon the oil and upon the ground that bringeth forth men, upon cattle and upon all the labor of your hands. So here's the first thing. So God is talking to the people and said, you didn't listen, right? So I shut the taps. Basically, I shut the taps. I had blessed you. I let you out of captivity, quote unquote, salvation. You got saved. You got saved. You've done your foundations. <laughs> you are now out of it. You are now a Christian. And I've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15 years. But you've forgotten. You've been busy about yourself. So the Lord says, consider your ways. Think about what you're doing. So what you do and how you do it matters. So when you are there in your work environment, know that what you are doing and how you are doing it matters. Not, does it, not only does it matter to you, it matters to your employer and it matters to God. And to a large extent, it actually matters to the government. When we are not productive, the nation is not productive and that's a whole other economic story. Right? So the scripture in Colossians that whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart, as if you are working for the Lord, not for humans. Now, this is a hard scripture. I'm going to be honest. Since this is the hub, we can chill out and be honest, right? Yes. That's okay. Yes, yes no? Yes. All right. I find this scripture terribly hard. Because the person who decides what I earn is a human. Right? You know, at the end of the year, at the end of the quarter, you sit down there. They're like, let's check how you did. Did you meet your targets? Did you meet your KPIs? The person who decides that is a human being. So what I tend to do is I tend to rely on the human, right? But what, what I've come to learn is the second scripture. This is something that blows my mind, the scripture. It says it refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. That says that there are some things that God does that inherently don't necessarily give him joy. He does them because his name is on the line. It's an insane thing to think about, right? That there are certain times, you know, the Bible says certain weird things. There's a scripture in Luke where the Bible says, and the power of God was present to heal them. That's a weird thing to say. Jesus was there. He was walking around. Did the power just vanish? No. In essence, the people there didn't get to get to that power, didn't get to get to that healing because they didn't understand that Jesus is going to Jesus regardless of you. Sure, that's good. Here's another secret. Actually, we'll get to that secret later. We'll get to it. So Jesus tell, God tells them through Haggai, they must go up to the mountain and bring down. Right? And here's a key element. Your work ethic 
is a reflection of your heart. If you are struggling to get things done, check your heart. We're going to go deep. Just in case you thought I was preaching to you alone, I'm preaching to me. I'm not, I'm not. It's a deep conviction of who you are, right? And a lot of the time, we as Christians, we want comfort over character. And God, unfortunately, is more interested in character over comfort. So if he has to make you uncomfortable so that you become what he wants you to become, that's what he's going to do. So if your heart is not with him, then your work ethic will be reflected in that. So if you find yourself struggling to do what you need to do, check your heart. Right? And we read the scripture. It says, work with all your heart. All of it. All of it. Not with the sum. Not with the bits that you're good at. With all. Right? This scripture in Galatians always gets me as well. Um, especially those of us who work in the investment profession. Returns are everything. Right? It said, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man sow, that also shall they reap. It's a crazy thing that if you think this principle can be broken, you're mocking God. Do you, do you, are you seeing that? It says God cannot be what? So, so we cannot live believing we can violate this. Don't expect to sow mediocre work and get extraordinary exalts. It's just fundamental. God says, if you think like that, you are mocking him. I thought I was going to sit down this whole time, but here we are. (laughs) So where your treasure is, is where your heart is also. Right? So we know what's important to you by how you choose to work towards it. it, So single ladies, here's a quick tip for you. If you want to know what a guy is about, check where his heart is. It will give you a quick indication of whether or not he's capable of loving you. But that's a side thing. We'll talk about that in the dating series um, that uh, Pastor Greg will preach on. Anyway, um, you, you expected much and it turned out to be little. Godless work is futile. Right? Any kind of work we do outside of God is futile. It, it doesn't return anything. Now, this is not to say you won't get paid. This is not to say there are people out here who don't love God who are not doing great things. That's not the point. The point is the Bible speaks about this. It says on judge, I am not looking forward to that day, I promise you now. It says on judgment day, there'll be guys who will have gold and silver. Then there'll be guys who will have wood, straw. And he says, the Bible says the wood and straw will pile up and the guys will bring it and it will be put in the fire and the wood and straw will be burnt and the gold and silver will be purified. It's a crazy thing. That means we can be busy and not productive. It's actually possible. It's possible that we could be about certain things and that doesn't result in kingdom outcomes. Right? 
it's a scary thing sometimes when I think about it. And I, I've got a little post I put in my, my office. I try and read it every day. Uh, I'm not perfect about it, but it's basically to remind me that my role, and this is what I believe my calling is and what, why we started building our business, my role is to be a steward of the savings of God's children. That's my role. There's, a, there's other nice marketing jargon we put on our website. But fundamentally, that's my role. Right? And I have to remind myself that the person who's coming to say, hey, Tammy, would like to open an account with you, is a child of God. And I have a responsibility to serve them. And as a return for that, God gives me the means to provide for my family. It's, a, it's hard to think about it that way. But that's what it is. Right? This verse 6 in Haggai 1 is quite hectic. It says, you are so much, you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you, don't, you, but you clothe yourselves. There's chopped, some stuff going on there. But no one is warm. Right? That's a hectic thing that you have clothes and you're not warm. It's a hectic thing to think about. Right? And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them into a bag with holes. Does that not sound like the average Joburger's life? Just uh, uh, genuinely, right? We, we, we frame it how we want, black tax, spending, uh, nigh enjoyment, whatever you want to call it. But f- fundamentally, we all, we all like crawl towards the 25th. But we're working. Why? We've got to start asking ourselves these questions. Why? Why am I serving God and every time I earn, it doesn't result in production? But yeah, <laughs> let me move on before I also get. <laughs> and the next day he said, busy with your own house. Now ideally, we all have a responsibility for ourselves as human beings. As an adult, you are responsible for yourself and your actions. Fundamentally, it's your role, right? But what God is saying here, he's not saying don't be busy with your own house. What he's saying, don't be busy with your own house at the expense of the kingdom. So we have this scripture that everyone reads, right? That seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things as you add to you. And we print it on our t-shirts, we get tattoos on our back, and it's a nice thing to say, right? But let's ask some questions. What is God's kingdom? What is his kingdom? What is that? What is his righteousness? What is that? And what are all these things? What is that? What is it? It's a nice thing to say. It's a good, we all, and we say amen when we hear the scripture, do we not? But in dawn, okay. So what is his kingdom? So this thing is, this, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is mentioned 126 times in the Gospels. Kind of important if something is mentioned. 126 times in four books, right? So what's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, it's God's sovereign action in the world to redeem and deliver people. It's God acting on earth for souls. That's why the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
Many times Jesus tried to explain this to his disciples. They thought it was like some army that's going to come in and topple the Romans. No. The kingdom of God is actually God acting on earth to redeem people. So God says, seek ye first that. Right? What's his righteousness? If you really want to know deep, deep into this, please do foundations. Just promotional. It's our right standing before God because of Christ's sacrifice. So we now can enter into the infinite I was talking about. Because we are now in the right standing with God. Right? So what is then the scripture that we're reading? It says, seek ye first the kingdom, God's rule and reign prevailing on the earth, and the output of his rule and reign is souls. That's the output, right? And we take it to the next level, it's discipleship, people living for him. That's his kingdom, right? And his righteousness is our ability to call on his name. We must seek these things first. And it's a crazy thing because the second bit is the difference between life and death. The ability to stand here and say, in the name of Jesus. The ridiculous things we ask for and then we end with, in the name of Jesus, should blow your mind. That is seeking what? Righteousness. Our right standing before God. So now when we say, seek ye first the kingdom of God, now we know what we're talking about, right? So it's not just fasting and prayer, because a lot of the time we get caught up, especially guys like me who grew up in church uh, that started at eight and finishes at three. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Where everything boils down to fasting and prayer. It's not just that, right? It's actively seeking to bring God's will on earth through our work and our worship. Okay, what are all these things? Because it's also an important thing. There's a, there's a deal here, right? It's a trade. So if I'm going to do one thing, what are these things that will be added? So we understand the contract we're entering into with God, right? Because it's simple to say, just seek. Oh, great. I sought. Right? What's the other side? So in the Matthew 6, right, the scriptures before, because Jesus is talking about the whole thing. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, sow or reap or store away in barns. So what are all these things? The first thing is the return on our investment. So when we seek the kingdom first, there's a return on our work. There's a return on our capital. Because we know where to put it when we can talk to God. We know it can be safeguarded when we say, in Jesus. I just find it ridiculous how we can just do that. It's the craziest thing. You know, one time, driving on the road, um, and as I'm driving, driving up a hill, and uh, this guy runs a stop sign. And I'm like, Lord God, like I just screamed this thing. In, it was an involuntary action, right? And I literally stopped just before that guy. If, if I had stopped where I stopped, he was hitting me. And, it was, and he was flying, he was trying to, knock over that orange robot and get through, right? And it blew my mind that I can simply call upon the name of the Lord. That's just me. 
Just I can say Jesus, and that's sufficient for a heavenly intervention. It's an insane thing. And Jesus is saying, seek that. It's his righteousness. It's him putting you in a position to which you can make a demand on God. Ah, man, blows my mind how good God is. But anyway, um, so, so it's a return of investment and the bonds mean an accumulation of wealth. So in essence, if we live our lives a particular way, God opens up an opportunity set for us to have a return on money, a return on time, a return on intellect, right? And then he opens up the opportunities for us to store away in barns. So we've got to start asking ourselves some hard questions now, right? Why are all these things not being added, right? If you look at your life, why is this not being added to you? It's fundamentally telling you what you're seeking, right? The next day, says, do not worry, saying, what shall you eat, what shall you drink, or what shall you wear? Now, let's be practical. I don't think God is basically saying, don't care about your life, be a hobo. Right? He's giving us some context here. So he says, don't worry means a peace of mind. To know that you're safe and taken care of. So if you have anxious feelings, anxiety, you have worry. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Because at a moment's notice, by simply saying, in Jesus' name, God of heaven intervenes. And I think we must conceptualize who we're talking about. Like, sometimes I think we talk about God like it's like a sideshow, some intervention. Like, he's the guy who said, let there be, and there was. Let me, let me put that in context. So if God woke up one day and said, let there be three-legged dogs, when we walked out of here, what do you think would be around us? It, it's a silly example. Think about that. That's the person we pray to. So our safety, our protection is not in ADT and CAP. And it's wisdom to get those things. But it's not there. People can jump walls. People can hijack your car. It's in the protection and the opportunity to call upon. The miracle is your ability to call upon the name of the Lord. The second part, food and drink. So the first part is sustenance. But the second part is the pleasure of life. We gain a lot of pleasure. When you're eating and you're drinking, there's a lot of pleasure you gain. Some of it is for your body, some of it is actually you enjoying yourself. So life has pleasures. You know when you drive around somewhere, you see a beautiful mountain, you're like, wow. God gives us those pleasures. He enables us to have that gratitude and enjoy the pleasures that he has put on this earth for you and me. We don't, most of us don't see them because we're about our own business, but God has set up this whole environment around us. So we can enjoy it. Right? And the last part, which is an important part, says what shall we wear? What shall we wear cons considers the covering of nakedness. In essence, God is saying he's taking away shame. Right? And in our country, some of the shame is in unemployment and poverty. It's a shameful thing not to be able to work. 
trust me, I've been retraced before I know what's up. There is a shame that comes with that. But what is God saying? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. The return on your investment, wealth accumulation, no anxiety, no worry, sustenance, pleasure in life, and the removal of your shame. So if you don't have this fruit in your life, you now need to know what questions to ask yourself. Okay, so now when you hear that scripture, think about it a bit differently. So, chapter two, it's insane how much is in this. It's two chapters, but every slide is a sermon on its own, man. But yeah, so I'm going to read from, uh, here we are. Okay, I'm landing the plane, so yeah. Um, and again, the word of the Lord, it came to Haggai a second time. There's, there's, a, there's a lot to say there. There's a lot to say. Um, there's a parable in the Bible. There's a blind man. He goes to Jesus, um, and Jesus does the thing, touches him, and he says, okay, can you see? It's a weird question for a guy with all the power to ask if another man can see. Now, let's think about that. It's a weird question. And the guy says, I see men as if they're trees. And that's also a weird answer. How does a blind man know how trees look like? But a sequel up. Right? <laughs> and then Jesus prays for him the second time. And he gets healed. Right? It's an indication that sometimes your miracle has to double-double. That God is trying to get you to come back. His first one is to get you to see what's possible. You're seeing trees. Then you must come back. You must come back. Then God can make you whole. And there's another situation. It is crazy. This this thing. Lepers go to Jesus. Jesus heals them. He tells them, go to, go to the temple. Make sure they check you. Because you know, before that, we didn't have discovery. So you couldn't just rock up at some hospital and check before, if you were a leper, you stayed outside the city. And the only way you're allowed back into the city is if the priest or someone of religious standing checked you and said, okay, you're fine. So Jesus says to them, go get, them che- go get checked. So they go there. One guy comes back. He's like, you know what? Jesus, you're a top G. Thank you. Then the Bible says something very, very peculiar. It says, and he was made whole. Wow. So others got healing. He got wholeness. It's a fascinating thing. Right, in it, this, before we get too excited. I'm getting excited. Can you see? I'm getting. But anyway, um, I'm going to rush through this so we can get through. But so the story is Haggai comes back and he says to Zerubbabel, God is going to do certain things through you. Right? And because you've decided to obey, you've decided to rebuild the temple and come back to the beginning, he says, God is going to do a bunch of things through you, right? And the first part is to recognize this. The word of the Lord is available for you. So Haggai in this scripture is a representative of the Holy Spirit. God coming to you and reminding you of what's important. Now, we could spend a year preaching about the Holy Spirit. 
a year. Uh, just in case you think I'm joking, we literally could speak a year about the Holy Spirit. But what's important for us to understand is one time we're working on a transaction. Um, and these are the miracles of God. You just see them, you know. Um, and so we get flown out to this place in London called Knightsbridge. And at the time, I didn't know where I was. You know, you know when God blesses you and you're just dumb, dumb. Like, you just arrive at this place, you don't know what's up, you just, I'm here. So we're here now, at this place called Knightsbridge, it's some posh place in London, whatever. So, we're in this boardroom, and we're talking, um, and we are representing the seller. So this guy's selling his business, and the buyer is from Canada. So they were like, we're not flying down there, let's meet halfway. And I was like, do you realize that halfway for you means through the embassy for me? But hey. Um, so we get there, and we're talking, and in the middle of it, this guy is saying some stuff, and I just get the sense, don't say anything. And anyone who knows me, <laughs> not saying anything is not an option. <laughs> right? So I'm quiet. Quiet. Don't say anything. Talking, I'm talking, you know. And out of frustration, I start just writing notes, countering his arguments, and he says, it's not a great value, this is what's happening in Africa, so and so, the risk, and, and I'm like, I'm starting to boil. <laughs> you know, it's I'm like, hey, this guy. And again, don't say anything. So I say nothing. The meeting ends. We go to dinner. We get to dinner. And you know, people with money like to let you know sometimes. People with money like to let you know they're doing okay. So we go to some fancy restaurant and we're eating. Right? And I'm there. I don't say anything. Like I'm saying nothing now. Like my tongue is bleeding because I'm biting it. Right? So, we get to this meeting, everyone's talking, and the one guy on Canada is like, hey, bro, you've been quiet the whole time. Like, what's going on? And in my heart, I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to wait for your permission now. I'm just going to, right? And I say to the guy, look, your perspective is wrong. And because your perspective is wrong, you're seeing the wrong value in the asset we're selling. So, for the next 20 minutes, I explain to them why they are wrong in their views. And at the end, the deal was done, right? And so I talked to the guy afterwards. I was like, so what tipped you over? He's like, you actually didn't lose your temper. My goal was to unravel the, the transaction because I was uncomfortable. I wanted you to lose your temper. So imagine now, I don't have the Holy Spirit. Like just, let's take a step back. Imagine the different paths. Because I had lost my temper. It was inside here, boiling. And thanks be to God. You know? But yeah, the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so in the scripture, Haggai tells him, I'm going to give you the power to overturn thrones and shatter the power of foreign kingdoms. It's actually quite awkward given the fact that they are this little Jewish community that's just arrived from Babylon that overthrew them, right? So the fundamental lesson here is we are in a spiritual battle with the real world outcomes. Let me say that again. We are in a spiritual battle with the real world outcomes. So in, let me inverse that. What we see happening in the real world 
is a result of what we have fought for in the spirit. Okay, let's, let's, let's take this a little deeper now. So, Jesus, Jesus, is praying. He's praying. And the Bible says he's sweating blood at that time. I'm not a medical professional. I cannot confirm nor deny what that actually means, right? But we'll take it for what it is. He's sweating blood, right? And he says, this is the craziest thing he because pray- he, he's, he's at his lowest point right now. And this is before crucifixion, that's the lowest point. He says, God, Jesus says, if this cup may pass. It's an incredible thing to think about. It's incredible, right? To think that God Almighty was under so much pressure, he wanted out. Hmm? And after that, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. So that spiritual outcome, spiritual prayer, has resulted in your salvation. Do you understand that? That this spiritual battle Jesus fought, he fought it. He was under pressure, he fought it. It translated to a real world outcome of you sitting here today. Thank God, oh my Lord. And thank God he went through that and he overcame. Right? So, let's take it to you now. And this has happened to me. I once worked, you know, I, I used to go home and tell my wife, I think I work for demons. But uh, thank God, yes, one wife, two kids, by the way, just to, um, the father, yeah, we have to say these things sometimes as black brothers, you know, we have to clarify, hey, it gets tricky, it gets tricky in some environments, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but anyway, so I used to work for this Portuguese business. And uh, if any of you have worked with Europeans, you understand they don't think about us too well, right? They have a particular view of us. So this guy was quite rough. He was quite a rough guy. So I decided one day, okay, you know, look, I need your intervention. This is a lot. This is a lot. I remember this one week I, I worked for about four or five days. I would get home at three, and I would have to be back at the office at six, right? And I remember my wife complaining that we sleep in the same bed, but I don't see you. It's quite hectic. It's, finance can be crazy like that. But yeah. So anyway, I decide one day after church, I'm like, you know, this is ludicrous. So I take some cooking oil. I actually didn't know what I was doing. I just did it. Took some cooking oil, prayed over it, said, Father, you know, as I anoint the office, bless me. So go to the office. And like I pray for like three hours. Like I pray, pray. And not like Jesus said, I'm like, Lord, help, help, help me, help. Right? Um, and I walk into his office, and, you know, I walk around, I pray. There's no cameras watching me, but God. So I pray in his office. I pray in mine. I walk around the whole office praying. And uh, I, I get home, tired, whatever, going to the office the next day. This guy walks in, and he's like, you know, sometimes there's a difference in culture. English is spectacular when people try to say sorry in unique ways. So sometimes there's a difference in culture, and I may be a bit harsh. It's a Portuguese. Imagine this in a Portuguese accent. I may be a bit harsh, and in our culture, this is how we are in Portugal. I'm like, there's no ways everybody in Portugal is just rubbish. Like, it's just... But anyway, and I started learning from there. It was a lesson from me. Like, he didn't necessarily change all his ways. He said, sorry, for me, that was a huge victory. But this lesson became real to me. 
right? That we have spiritual battles that have real-world outcomes. So in essence, before you act physically, you need to act spiritually. Right? And, and sometimes it's instantaneous. It's here. We are here now. You and me, we're having a conflict. It's here. Inside you, Lord, help me. Right? And that's the difference. And that's why the Holy Spirit is so important. But yes, in this is scripture. If you don't know the scripture, you really need to do foundations. <laughs> and we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities, powers, rulers of this dark world. Right? Let me land this plane quickly. So what is a signet ring? It's a ring engraved with a family crest or royal symbol. Right? What kings used to do previously, and queens, used to do previously is when they wrote a letter, decree, or they signed into law something, they would pour wax and they would use the ring to signify that it's them who has given the authority for this to happen. Right? So God now says to Zerubbabel, right, that he is his signet ring. God says this to Zerubbabel. And the crazy part about this, he doesn't say it to Zerubbabel after the temple's built. It's crazy, eh? Intent means a lot to God. It means a lot. God can bless you on intent. God blessed Zerubbabel on intent to build the temple. He hadn't built it yet. God blesses him. He says, I'll make you my signatory. In essence, Zerubbabel, I'm giving you my authority to act on my behalf. And this is what God is saying to us, right? He's given us his authority to act on his behalf in the marketplace. So our ability to execute is off the basis of the power of God, right? And we will get educated, we'll get experience, we'll do the right things, but all of it rests on us being enabled by God to do, right? Okay, let's let this explain. I can see the numbers are red. I'm out of time. So what you do and how you do it matters. Your work ethic is a reflection of your heart. Godless work is futile. Prioritize the kingdom. Acknowledge the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are in a spiritual battle with the real world out. I hope, if you forget anything else, this is the one thing I hope you understand. Right? And God, by making us his signet ring, has given us his, his, his ability to execute. Finally, brethren, you know how Paul writes. He says, finally, brethren, that's 50 more chapters. But yeah, um, the word Zerubbabel means he who is out confusion. Right? It's crazy. Um, and Babylon means the gate of God. So when they built Babylon, they saw it, the kings who were, lived in Babylon saw themselves as gods. So when you watch 300, that's actually not a fake thing. Like, they saw themselves as gods and they were treated as such. Right? They had a divine nature in them. So being in Babylon and ruling Babylon was a step to divinity. Right? That's how they saw it. Right? A worship of self. It was a place to access money, to access riches, to be materialistic because everything there was for my good to get to this level. Right? But, Zerubbabel and co., God had saved them from Babylon. Brought them out. And just like you and me, God has called us 
to Babylon. Right? And the last part is God has given us the authority to make disciples and to create wealth. Uh, one last thing. I'm going to read the scripture, then I'm going to get out your way. So Deuteronomy 8.18. It's not on the slide, but says, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, and it is this day. So our ability to do everything we desire rests on us recognizing who God is and acting on that. Thank you, everyone. Good night.